Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Brian. And we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. We hope you're enjoying this episode. You know, it's our goal to make this podcast useful to you. So if you find it valuable, we want you to consider supporting the Bible Bistro financially. You know, there's a cost associated with this podcast, and your support will help us to continue this mission. If you'd like to help, we have set up a Patreon account where you can contribute at any level. Maybe you just want to give us a few bucks a month and buy us a cup of coffee. Or if you support us at $15 or above, you can receive some of our personalized items, like the Bible Bistro coffee mug. Trust me, you're really going to want one of those. Absolutely. You just got to go to our website or in the show notes and click on the Patreon link. And thank you so much. We appreciate our loyal listeners. Welcome back to Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. <laughs> Brian. And this is the Bible Bistro podcast all about the Bible theology and things related to the Christian faith. Oh See, I'm doing that just for the you. The growth. And here the we are. growth. Like a tree planted by living water, you have sprouted and have learned and grown. Oh, and now whatever. you can say our. You know, I've been thinking, though, so I've been listening to some other podcasts, and there are other podcasts. What? There's other podcasts? Yes, and they have, they're not as good as this one, but they have, (laughs) of course, like their listeners usually have a name of some sort, like, and I'm, you know what I'm saying, like like followers of the podcast. So what, what would our podcast followers be named? Like, would they be the... Bistroids or the Bistroites, Bistro, Bistroites. I like Bistroites. that. Bistroites. I mean, that's yeah. kind of biblical, you know. Yeah, like the, well, the like the Amalekites. The, I, I Amalekites. Or the, yeah. yeah, the Bistroites. Yeah, I don't know. Something, I, something, something to think about. Oh yeah, I mean, the only I'm trying to think of like all the other people I know that have followers that have names. <laughs> what was it like? The, I think I first heard about heads, this. You know, that's, it was like Lady Gaga when they like little monsters. <laughs> oh, yeah, something insane. <laughs> Anyway, well, yeah, we should maybe maybe the Bereans because they were. <laughs> yes, that's us. That's us. Well, we're back in the bistro, and now bistro east, bistro east. We're in bistro back west, bistro east yeah. in the beautiful Greenwood, Indiana, unincorporated Greenwood, Indiana, <laughs> not to be confused with the city of Greenwood. We're just outside. That's why of that. you guys don't have sidewalks here. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. A beautiful White River Township, yeah. Center Grove School is amazing. But we're here together. We had we spent some time around a fire last night. Yeah, it was nice. Laughing, sharing with our some wives. Stories. Yes, yes, it was nice. It was yep. good. We had a good time. But yep. we're back. We're recording a couple episodes here yeah. together, and we're continuing on in Daniel. Now we've yeah. had some good Daniels up to this point. We've had some <laughs> what? Well, I just and you're going. We got some good ones, and now we're getting into <laughs> now. Now the great now transition. Yeah, you may well, not want to affiliate. I mentioned. At the end, I think of our last uh, episode, I mentioned that this this is kind of a weird story, and it's kind of it's hard to know what to do with it exactly. I do think it fits in some of the themes that we've seen already in Daniel, though. And uh, if I I'm going to go ahead and summarize it, just because we're going to get into some pretty difficult material, but it, it talks a lot about God's sovereignty, which there's there's you know again if if I were if I were to give a title to the book of Daniel, it would be from from that statement in ta- chapter two, there is a God in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That despite what it seems like, despite everything else that's going on, there is a God in heaven and he's on the throne. So it, it's we're going to see the theme of God's sovereignty, but we're also going to get this deal. So remember in chapter, just, just to recap. 
<laughs> this is where this is where if you're watching Netflix, you could skip the intro. <laughs> yes. But um, just to recap, what what we would have maybe maybe people do skip our intros. Who knows? Yeah, but, that's why I quit doing them. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the first thing is. Um, uh, you had this dream that was interpreted by Nebuchadnezzar, and of course he responded in a very positive way about, oh, you know, only God could reveal this mm-hmm. to you. But then in the very next chapter, we mentioned he sets up this gold, gold statue, statue for himself, yes, yes. To, of himself, like an idol to me, yes, and and has everybody in the world bow down to it. Mm-hmm. And, and so this this theme of God's sovereignty, but on the other hand, the pride of Nebuchadnezzar, or the maybe more broadly, the pride of rulers or emperors, is mm, kind of the other okay. theme that we see, and. We're going to see that in this in this particular chapter. Okay, this begins, and we we were, we were talking about this a little bit just before this began. We've you know looking looking through this, there are there are some changes that take mm. place during this chapter, changes of point of view, right? And it's something you see in narrative from time to time, uh, but the, you know technically it goes from first, first person, person where mm. where Nebuchadnezzar begins with, I'm going to call it. It, it has the format of an autobiographical letter, right? Right. He says, this is me sending this to all the nations, and here's what I want you to see. And we're going to see that it ends with a very similar kind of statement of praise for the God, the most high God is what he what he calls God. And, and so it kind of brackets the whole story. But then the story itself takes the form of a third-person narrative. It's weird. It is. and It's very weird. It kind of shifts perspective. You mentioned it shifts perspective from like Nebuchadnezzar to Daniel's Daniel. perspective. And so, yeah. so it's, it's just a different kind of – it's a different kind of an account – uh, that we see here, but anyway, go ahead and read the first three verses for me, if you don't mind. This yeah. is this is kind of the letter. If you kind of imagine this, and, and then I kind of imagine this as the letter and the story, the narrative that we have as an attachment to it. But go ahead and this read this. Is so first. weird. Anyway, <laughs> King Nebuchadnezzar to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. So a couple of things that are really interesting to note, as we've seen before, he refers to God here as most high God. Yeah. That's that's the, the phrase that we kind of see in Daniel. Uh, a little bit different than some other some other uh, places in the Old Testament, but he's called the Most High God. And then the other interesting thing here for me is we've talked a little bit about this before, but we see the language of an eternal kingdom. Especially, I'll go back to our episode again when we talked about God's kingdom in Matthew, or the mm-hmm. kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, yep. And... Um, we see this idea of an everlasting kingdom, but this is coming from Nebuchadnezzar, which is kind yeah, of an interesting. Yeah, it's weird. We've just gone from you know the the dream being interpreted and like yeah, that's God. Then we yeah. had the then we had the statue. Yeah, and you know, and then the furnace. Right, and then just like I, 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 this guy yeah. is fickle. <laughs> he is, and but it's also the way the narrative is told. Here is the mm. other thing I'll I'll point out. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get get ready to lay a. a a technical term on you. Okay, uh-uh. this is technically a proleptic kind of thing. It, it's looking ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. And, and so the the whole idea we, we would call it kind of foreshadowing, because then we're going to get into the story, and Nebuchadnezzar begins at a different place. Basically, this takes us kind of to the ending of the story. So he's he's sending this letter in a mm-hmm. way to kind of say, here's how I got to the point where I'm acknowledging the Most High God and his eternal kingdom. Because, again, this idea of an eternal kingdom is going to be exactly against what Nebuchadnezzar's trying to establish yeah. himself. 
Right. This is like we referenced the show Lost last night. Yeah. This is kind of uh-huh. like Lost. There's a fast flash forward. You don't really. Why, exactly. I, why is this here now? Okay. Exactly. It, okay. Ex- that's exactly okay. what it's like. So, so. proleptic. It's exact. This is exactly, exactly like, like Lost. Lost. We so. got a smoke monster and everything. Yeah, I, hope, I hope our ending's a little better. But the uh, <laughs> so I'm not going to read all of this. This, but it, it fits a familiar pattern to what we've seen previously. I'm not going to read all of this because it's a long. It's a long chapter. It's, it's just like we see elsewhere in Daniel. There's a lot of repetition, but he has a dream. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he's terrified by the dream. And so just like we saw back in chapter two, he gathers together all of the wise men and the astrologers and the diviners. And I can't remember, you know, we go through that whole list of mm, yeah. people that enchanters, he, enchanters. He calls the, all of them together. None of them can interpret the dream. But then, of course, here comes Daniel. Uh, I think that's a device um, to, really to, to posit them against each other. Exactly. To show that Daniel's ability from God or, or mm-hmm. really it's, it's to show that the God of Daniel is superior to the, to the methods and the gods of these enchanters is what it comes down to. That's, okay. that's what the narrative yeah. is, is telling okay. us. But, but Daniel here comes along and, and this is where we, I don't know if you remember in the very first uh, episode, we talked about his name. We talked about the name Belteshazzar mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, bell, the Baal, like exactly. And this is where we we looked ahead. Then we did a we did a little prolapsus there, where where we looked ahead to this and said, um, you know, it's he's named after my God is what Nebuchadnezzar says here in verse, yes. verse eight. But anyway, he he comes along. He's called Daniel, but then he changes his name or he, he starts calling him Belteshazzar throughout this narrative. So you're going to see that. Um, and so then here is verse nine. I want you to notice. Go ahead and read just verse nine for me. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here's my dream. Interpret it for me. So this idea of the spirit of the gods, and you'll remember we talked about this a little bit back when we looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace as well. He, he sees one who's like a son of the gods, or it could be God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was, I had somebody else asking me about a completely different passage um, the other day at church. There was a, a question uh, given about um, this idea of God or gods. And in Hebrew, the word is Elohim, and it's it's a plural ending. Im is a, is a plural ending in, in Hebrew, and, and masculine plural ending. And, and so... The, the word and the, but that's the word that is used for God in the Old Testament because that would have been a common word in the in in this period for God or gods you have to from context then decide which one is is being used and so you're going to have different translations that are going to actually translate this different way and appropriately enough it's an it's an interpretive issue it's one of those times where the translators have to step back and think okay, Within this context, what do we think is how, this, how do we think this, or singular this word's being used, right? Okay. And so here, because it's Nebuchadnezzar and it is a, in a situation, you know, again, where we had this idea of the most high God, but and that's singular, right? That they right, translated yeah. it there. But now we're going back into the story into itself. The polytheistic that nature. gets him gets him there. So okay. so they're saying Nebuchadnezzar would have said at this point. Right. So the, the gods. So again, right. the beginning part is proleptic. It's kind of yeah. a looking ahead, flash forward, yeah. where we see the singular most high God. Here, we're kind of, we're back in the story before Nebuchadnezzar would have said the exactly. singular God, where he's kind of saying, hey, uh, Daniel, you've got most high gods. But uh, never mind. Go ahead. I yeah, was just, just like, you know, that, that this is, 
chapter uh was it chapter two or the dream oh chapter uh-huh. one yeah or two the dream um chapter two is a dream yeah chapter two chapter is a dream where it's the, like he yeah. like i felt like he was already on the boat where <laughs> like all the other guys couldn't yeah. do this and i've been thinking about this because because it really does come come home I, I, i'm gonna tell you what it reminds me of uh it reminds me of when i'm teaching the book of revelation and we've talked about this before that revelation in order to get across its point gives us several different stories that that come to the same conclusion kind of that repeating circular motion exactly and and it's and i've been thinking about this in in relation to to daniel because it's the same kind of thing the point that's being gotten across is the the god of daniel uh, god of israel or you know our our the true one true god we would call mm-hmm. him uh, yahweh as i've mentioned before isn't isn't used here but this idea of the most high god is the true god as opposed to these mm-hmm. gods that are worshipped by the Babylonians, right? He mm-hmm. is superior to them. And there's other stories and other narratives that we can think of in the Old Testament that, that get that across. I mentioned Elijah on Mount Carmel before. Yep. Uh, we've got the Temple of Dagon. We've got, uh, you remember the time that um, the the uh, uh, Canaanites, um, oh, that's not the exact word, Who who is it? Uh, but they they capture the um, the Philistines capture the uh, um, Ark of the Covenant. Yes, you know, and all and they put it in the temple of their god, and yeah. he falls everybody, over. Yes, and breaks his hands off, and, and everybody starts getting tumors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, and so so all of these stories really show that that God going all the way back to Exodus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've got the magician magicians there very similar to what we have with these enchanters and so forth the magician magicians of pharaoh try to replicate and, and they are able to to a limited extent replicate the first couple of plagues that that moses um, does through the power of god but then very quickly they say this this is the finger of god which is a very very different kind of thing than what they're able to do. Right. So so all of these that you know again that's one of the major things that we're we're seeing here. The other one has to do I think with the pride of rulers and and I don't want to give away too much yet but but I'll go ahead and say remember that Daniel has kind of an apoc- especially the last part of Daniel is apocalyptic. Right. But I think we even see in the narrative some of that idea how do we respond when we are subject to a superior political power mm. how do god's people respond in these times how do we recognize or see god's sovereignty when when we have um you know when it, when it seems like we're being oppressed how can we understand that god is still in control and, and so i think this idea of, of pride and, and isaiah puts it this way that he is going to use Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, right. that's who Isaiah is talking about as well. He's going to use Nebuchadnezzar in order to punish God's people. But when he's done with them, he's going to cast them away. Or we've looked at the book of Habakkuk before. We actually probably should do a whole thing on the book of Habakkuk. Or do we already do that? I think we may. <laughs> I need to Check get back later. I need to- <laughs> We're, we're figure it out. Things. We need to do an index, I guess, and figure out. We, we've gotten to the point now. We can't. What? What? I don't even know what episode we're on now. But we're in the hundred twenties. Okay, right nice. Now, maybe Very nice. How do we miss that? Did we celebrate a hundred? I can't remember. I kind of. Not. Okay, maybe. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Sorry, we're sidetracked. 
So uh, Habakkuk is the same kind of thing where he says, you know, God, when are you going to take care of these wicked people? Mm -hmm. And God says, oh, get ready. I'm getting ready to do something. I'm going to send the Babylonians. Mm -hmm. And Habakkuk is like, oh, what? wait a minute. The Babylonians, they're even worse than we are. And, and God's point there is then there's going to come a time, though, when I'm going to deal with the Babylonians. So I'm using mm -hmm. the Babylonians to accomplish my purpose. But... Mm -hmm. You know, again, the kings like Nebuchadnezzar and Shalmaneser before him, and uh, you know the Assyrians, Sarakanib. Uh, wait, uh, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. They all felt that they were the ones who were doing this, mm -hmm. and so that's the other thing that Daniel here, like Isaiah, uh, Isaiah ten is what I keep thinking about. But but you know these kings were were a, a tool in God's hand, and when He's done with them. Just like a workman, he's going to cast it back on the bench, right? Yes, and he's going to he's going to hang up the tool because he's done with using it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the other theme that we we see here in this passage. And again, I probably gave away more than I should have, but go ahead. Then here's the dream. Um, you want me to read this? Let me let, let me read you, this. I don't, you lead it. I'm going to read, read this from uh, the the New Revised Standard today, just because I want to. Um, no no other in, uh, reason than that. Here's what Nebuchadnezzar says. Upon my bed, this is what I saw. See the first person here again, by the mm -hmm. way. Uh, there was a tree at the center of the earth. Now, this is an image that is used frequently, uh, and, and it's often often used. Well, <laughs> let me ask you. Can you think of any other trees that were at the center of anything previously? Oh, well, we had some uh, trees in the garden. Okay. And, yeah. the, and, and, and we're thinking here not about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I think, but the tree of life. Mm-hmm. And this is an image that can be used, uh, and we actually see it in other ancient religions, uh, like it, like during this period of time, it, it was the idea of God's provision, kind of this tree that's at the center of, of the universe mm -hmm. that provides every good thing. And that's, that's the image we're going to get. A tree at the center of the earth, its height was great. The tree grew great and strong. Its top reached to heaven, which that, that again, when you're thinking of echoes of scripture, that idea of a tree reaching up to heaven reminds me of something too from early in the, in the uh, Old Testament. It reminds me of the Tower of Babel that we mm -hmm. talked about a couple of weeks ago. Right. Uh, it was visible. Its top reached to the heaven. It was visible to the ends of the whole earth. So if you think about the the, the Babylonian conquest, they had defeated the whole earth. And so like every everybody is looking at this tree is the idea. Now, here's the provision part. Its foliage was beautiful. Its fruit abundant. It provided food for all. Um, the animals of the field found shade under it. The birds of the air nested in its branches. And from it, all living beings were fed. So that's that that idea. I would call this kind of a tree of life, but we're going to get a twist here. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'll go ahead and continue. And so, so Nebuchadnezzar continues, I continued looking in my visions of my head as I lay in my bed and there was a holy watcher. Um, so this is going to say in some translations, a messenger, right? That's NIV is holy. Okay. A holy, a holy this one isn't messenger. necessarily the normal word we would see for angel or messenger, which is the same word. Uh, but it's the idea of a holy watcher coming down from heaven he cried aloud and he said, cut down the tree and chop off its branches, strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from beneath it, the birds from its branches, but leave its stump and roots in the ground with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let him be bathed with the dew of heaven and let this lot be with the animals of the field and the grass of the earth. 
Let his mind be changed from that of a human and let the mind of an animal be given to him and let seven times pass over him. The sentence is rendered or the verdict is rendered by decree of the watchers. The decision is given by order of the holy ones in order that all who live may know, and here's the point of this whole dream, that the most high is sovereign over the kingdom of men or the kingdom of mortals. He who gives it to him, he he will and, and sets it over the lowliest of human beings. Okay. okay, so now we see the tree as a person. Okay, and and that something's going to happen to him. So that there's this idea. So again, this reaching to the heavens, mm-hmm. okay? And again, the Tower of Babel, the problem with that is they're trying to do it by their own initiative and mm-hmm. by their own power in order to make a name for themselves. This idea that they're providing for all, that they're seen as the source of of all good life, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you can think of this in terms of God's provision, but but there's a problem here because, like you said, this is this is a person mm-hmm. who's seeing themselves in this in this light. Uh, the divine messenger kind of gives us this then it, idea of it's going to be chopped down, and I kind of already gave away the ending mm-hmm. in saying that that when God is done with this kingdom, right, he's mm-hmm. gonna he's gonna do away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it says also this idea of the bands of iron and bronze. We've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think about back to the statue and the kingdoms that will come after. So the tree's cut off, but there's roots and, and stump left. And the, the idea is that there there is the possibility then of another tree growing. Another kingdom, yeah, another another uh, tree that will grow from its roots mm. and uh, and and take take its place so, so are like the roots are just kind of like are we to think of them as like establishments in the earth like kingdoms of the earth could sprout or in a way i suppose you could say exact equivalent that we uh, could say it, into that it's a natural thing you know and we've all seen that the, the idea of a of a tree that's been cut down and then there's a there's a, a shoot that comes off of it mm-hmm. of course that's used in isaiah to talk about Jesse, right, <laughs> right, yeah, the, yes. the line of David, that even though it is cut off, there will be a shoot come from it and establish an eternal kingdom. Uh, but this is kind of on the other side of this of the spectrum, spectrum right? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's well, yeah. Let's read the interpretation, okay, then okay. we'll talk about it more. <laughs> gotcha. Go ahead and read verses eighteen and nineteen. First, he's reluctant because it's not good news. Yeah. So go ahead and read that. This for is me. the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Now, first off, I want to say Nebuchadnezzar is kind of eased up. He's become a lighter man because before, if they couldn't interpret they it, he just kill him. So <laughs> right. you, you don't have to tell me what it is. Now I'll tell you, but I'll, right. I'll kill you anyway. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Oh, Belteshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies yeah. and its meaning to your adversaries. So he's saying, this is not going to be good news. It would be better if this didn't apply to you, mm-hmm. but it applied to your enemies. So here's the interpretation. Then. Go ahead and uh, verses 22 to 23. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. Okay, stop just a minute. This is 
kind of echoing, remember back in chapter two, where he said, hey, I saw this statue. And you were gold. And, and, and yeah, you are that head of gold, right? Mm-hmm. You are that beginning kingdom that that is eventually going to be crumbled, right? It's going to be followed by other kingdoms, but eventually is going to be destroyed. Here we have uh, this idea that you are that tree. So, I, I mean, think about this. Nebuchadnezzar is seeing himself as a you know, the technical terms, emperor, king of kings, right? He, he's mm. seeing himself in this position uh, of being able to provide for the entire world. <laughs> like he, he's, he's got the, kind of the shelter, if you will. And, and I'm going to go ahead and do this now, like, like the foreshadowing to the, or not foreshadowing, but kind of the, the, the thing that we see coming down the road. Uh, Rome is very similar in the time of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Caesar says, well, I'm the savior of the world. Right. We are the ones who've brought peace, right? The Roman, the, the Pax, Pax Romana. Romana, right? We are the ones who are the source of all peace. And the Christian story instead is no, Jesus is the savior of the world, right? He sets himself up in this. He is the king of kings. He is the one to whom our knees shall bow. And and peace, he is our peace. He's the one who ultimately brings that. So so I think this is kind of a similar thing that's being set up here in this, in this case. Nebuchadnezzar says, well, I'm the one who's who's brought all of this prosperity. Well, yeah, that, that was one thing that kind of struck me is it's like, oh, it's this beautiful tree. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, and like for me, I, you know, I usually think of Babylonia or Babylon, Babylon. in, in uh, um, Jewish, con- like how they yeah. viewed it as like sure. an oppressive thing. But in this, you know, it's, yeah. it, uh, you know, I think maybe the autobiographical nature of it is this right. is how Nebuchadnezzar saw his kingdom as right. the beautiful. I, I don't know. That just one, one thing as I was reading this yeah. kind of thinking, that's for me. I mean, again, I've not lived in Babylon, but what is that? Um, what do the people think of it? Is it a beautiful tree? Well, is it abundant for them? Let, let's talk about. This. I almost did this. I should have should have done it. Now I almost brought up an image of. So so let's let's go ahead a little bit further, and I'm gonna an, okay. I'm gonna answer your question. I'm not I'm not uh, going away from it, but but then basically let, let's finish this interpretation first. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so. Um, where, where I just finished with your majesty. You are that tree. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just a little bit further. Yeah. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation. Your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my lord, the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. So knowledge their interpretation here, and I'm going to let you finish that in just a minute. The knowledge their interpretation, but then there's also a warning that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so th- there's coming destruction basically for for you for you, this tree. You'll be driven that, away. Yeah, that you're going to be driven away, and, and go ahead and, and here. But here's the warning. Here's here's what Daniel is saying in in response to that. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Yeah, the the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by 
being kind to the oppressed. And maybe that then your prosperity will continue. So he gives him kind of this opportunity for repentance. Mm -hmm. Here's the warning. This can be avoided if you avoid your sins. Now, Mm -hmm. he doesn't get specific with it, but we're going to see in just a minute the the primary sin that Nebuchadnezzar has, which which in some some people, and and myself included, kind of see as the source of all sin. Um, But it is... is, you know, the warning that's given. This reminded me, I did want to mention this. This reminded me of another of the prophets we were talking about uh, yesterday. It reminds me a little bit of, of Jonah and Nineveh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I was thinking that same thing. Good. I, was, I, was, I, I would have thrown that out there, but you're always like, oh, you're setting me up to get the wrong answer. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it sounds like it, doesn't it? It sounds yes, very it similar like to Jonah. It, it, yeah. Here's what's going to happen. And it's almost he's given a chance. I was thinking of this like, yeah, is he given? Is he being given the chance to renounce so. his sin here? I think so. And and I think yeah, he's saying your your prosperity can continue if you will renounce your sins. Yeah, and and so we're going to see what the sin is. And this is still I've still haven't forgotten your question about seeing Babylon as this kind of provider of good things. Okay, mm-hmm. so let me go ahead and let me go ahead and read this this next next part. Verse twenty eight says, "All this came upon Nebuchadnezzar." Now there's a transition here because now we're going to now we're telling the story, mm-hmm. you know, from. Uh, a, a kind of a third person perspective, right? Mm-hmm. We would say, well, Daniel now is going to tell what what happens here, kind of thing. All this, or uh, technically, I suppose we would say this is a narr- this is the voice of the narrator, mm-hmm. right? Who, yeah. who who breaks in and says, now this this happened to Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. the very yeah. thing. At the end of twelve months, so a year later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. Now. You may have have you ever heard of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon? Have you yes. ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about here. This okay. is this is a, a magnificent place that Nebuchadnezzar had uh, built for his wife for his, for for the queen, and and it was it was a you know <laughs> Hanging Gardens. It was one of the wonders of the ancient world, right? It was it was um, verdant and lush and all those kind of things that we're de- we're describing mm-hmm. there in that place. Babylon itself. So the, so the palace was, you know, you could see the walls of the city from where he's walking in this palace. And Babylon itself would have been one of the greatest cities. At this point, it would have been the greatest city in the ancient world. It was walled. Uh, it saw itself as impregnable. And there was a double wall, actually, around the whole thing. Uh, it was a large wall that allowed them even to have um, fields and and greenery and and food grown within the walls, and so they saw themselves that we can never be defeated, which is we're going to get to in the next chapter. But but it was a very it was a very lush verdant verdant place, and they they saw themselves again as kind of this this is this is the uh, image of Babylon. Uh, growing and 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 prospering, and then bringing prosperity to the empire as well is is okay. what I what I would say. Does that answer yeah, your yeah. former I, question? Just, I, I, I was just wondering about that 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 idea there. Yeah. You know, like what again? Everybody's perspective on it is different, sure. but you know, like I I have never not not that I didn't think they weren't they were not prosperous, but I didn't know how how much that yeah. that idea of like that everyone benefited from their yeah, prosperity yeah. from that. And again, very similar later to Rome, mm-hmm. you know, where where you have this peace, but it is an enforced peace, right? It yeah. is it is is it's peace by a sword. It by by oppression, yeah. yeah. And and that's you can even see that in Daniel's comment about, you know, treat yeah. the oppressed well. Be kind to of, the oppressed. Yeah, yeah, one of the things that he's called to do. So here's here's the sin then. 
So he's walking on the roof of the Royal Palace. I think he's surveying the city and thinking, look at this. Look at this place. And he says, at, and the king said, is this not magnificent Babylon, which I have built as a royal capital by my mighty power and for my glorious majesty? So that's the, what sin would you call pride. that? Pride. And, and and like I said, some people see that, including myself, as the source of all sin. It is it is a sense of looking to ourselves. Well, it goes back to, to saying we're going to be gods ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We, we, instead of following God's way of keeping God at the center of our universe, we're pers- putting ourselves at the center of the universe. And that that's the sin of Nebuchadnezzar here. He, he looks around and he says, I've done all this. And God's saying, no, you were a tool in my hand. Mm-hmm. I did all this through you, right? I, I used you for my purposes in order to bring judgment to this wicked people, in order to teach, you know, teach them about uh, the, the need for them to be a, a righteous remnant when they return to the land. You, know, you, you think it's about you building this prosperous empire, but it's really about uh, preparing the, the, the way for God's plan to, to be accomplished and for this eternal kingdom to eventually be established. That's, that's again, the war you know, between the, the kingdom of man. Babel, the Tower of Babel, mm-hmm. very similar, you know, not too far from there. Babylon, uh, you know, same kind of thing. I'm trying to do this by my power in order to reach the heavens. Right with mm-hmm. this with this great empire, and uh, God says, "No, I'm going to come and and scatter it. I'm going to destroy it." So, other thoughts on that, or questions, or comments? No, I you know I think that's yeah. I I, I don't think I have any co- comments on it. It's just like you have this very specific dream again. Yeah. Like I'm just trying yeah. to very specific dream. No one's interpreting for it, but Daniel's coming in. He gives you this interpretation. You know that Daniel's kind of hit not well i mean he believes him he yeah. he he got it right the first time but then you come back here again like oh what's this and he's like oh you're gonna walk around right. like a crazy person and like ah, eh, forget it it is interesting it says 12 months later you know i yeah. think it's one of these kind of things how do i say it sometimes um it, it it takes drastic measures in order for us to become aware of our sin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in order for us to, to, to become aware of our need to place God in the center. And, and so here's here's the, the idea of what happens. And I love this. It says, while the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven. So here's the, here's the judgment w- which comes. Um, the, uh, uh, O Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared the kingdom has departed from you. You'll be driven away from human society is the way that this says it. What does your translation say? From there? people. From people. Yeah, I like that better. And your dwelling will be with the animals of the field. You'll be able to you'll be made to eat grass like oxen and seven times shall pass over you until you have learned that the most high has sovereignty over all the kingdoms of the of the mortals of uh, humanity and gives it to whom he will. And immediately the sentence was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven away from human society, ate grass like an ox, and body was bathed with the dew of heaven until his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers or was like eagle's feathers, and his nails became like bird's claws. So how do we understand what happened? So he here? turned into Howard Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> Later, well, look at the very the very next verse. It uses the word "I was brought back into into sanity." Right, so yeah. in, in some way he was he was driven out of his mind. Right, mm-hmm. and, and and 
it, it took on the characteristic of this idea of beast. Now, you know, some people are going to take this in a very, uh, how do I say this, a very strong way to say that he was literally kind of transformed in that moment. Uh, I would say he lost his mind. You know, basically right. God yeah, is yeah. showing him, you know, some kind of a, he's struck with this somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it does uh, uh, to him is it, it drives him into this, you know, where, where he's no longer can associate with people. It reminds me a little bit. It's a, it's a different kind of thing. But do you remember when um, oh, Uzziah is, uh, um, Azariah is his other name. Uzziah is uh, uh, trying to offer incense in the temple. He's trying to do what the priest alone are supposed to do. And while he's doing it, at that moment, leprosy breaks out on his forehead, mm-hmm. and it says then he is he has to be in a home, He's outcast, yeah, away from people for the rest of his rest of his life. It's that kind of thing. He's driven away from people. He's insane, probably. Uh, I think the you know he, I think this idea of like eagles' feathers. I've been thinking about that a lot, and the best I can explain is it's like his hair gets. Uh, matted or matted and yeah, you know, just just like yeah, not like individual strands, but it becomes like that. And and of course, his fingers grow to become like the birds of a claw. In other words, he he takes Finger on this yeah, very it, it, animalistic. You, you, and that's the the idea. And he kind of goes out and lives out in the in the in the woods, basically. Yeah. So so, however, we understand that this this is the 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 judgment, and the judgment comes immediately upon him looking around and saying, look at what I have done, rather than acknowledging God is the one who has placed me in this position. And so God says, well, I can show you very quickly how quickly I can take you out of that position. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think I, th- I think takes place here. Other thoughts on that? or Nope. Okay. So uh, after a period of time then... Um, I'll let you go ahead and read that last one. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. So back to the first person here. Uh, And my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. So I'll just say, go ahead and read this in a minute. But but again, this brackets the whole thing then. Mm -hmm. That's how it began, remember. And so now I'm going to – I've told – you know, the story's been told – and now I'm getting to the conclusion. Yeah. Go ahead now, I'm sorry. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. So, again, I think the, the dual themes here, God's sovereignty mm-hmm. and and the the... I would say the resistance of the pride of rulers is kind of what we see going on here and the way that the story is told. Um, so what do you think the significance of this would have been for the people who are reading Daniel? Why, why would this have been an important story for them, do you think? Well, it, it, just that the, the power that they thought that they couldn't fight, you know, like that God right. has power over exactly over yeah. the, the conquering the kingdom that conquered them, that it conquered the Assyrians, you know, yeah. like that was the threat beforehand. Like, right. This dominant power has been, yeah. like, that the leader of this, it's not just God destroying the army, but it's just like he can right. turn turn on and turn off the 
tap of sanity on the the ruler of this kingdom. E- even if, yeah, even if God's people are are oppressed by a greater power, remember that God is still there's still has got a head, right? yeah, and He's on the throne. You know, that's, that's the interesting thing. I had I never made this connection until I just said that, but you know, the Revelation begins with this throne room scene. That mm-hmm. God is on the throne, right, and mm-hmm. and everything is centered around Him, uh, the four living living creatures, the the elders, and then all God's people and all of creation, mm-hmm. with God at the very center, the way things are supposed to be, uh, and that's that's kind of I think the same message we see here in Daniel is uh, properly God is to be kept at the center of the universe. Uh, so, uh, any anything else that you notice here? Or no, I, I, this could be a total crazy tangent um but it, well, it makes me think a little bit had one so what's that i said nebuchadnezzar had a crazy total. <laughs> god did it made me crazy <laughs> the ultimate excuse um it made me a little bit think about like thinking about like surveying the gardens on stuff it reminded yeah. me a little bit of solomon you know oh, I mean? yeah. like this at the end yeah. of solomon like had all of these huh. things and yeah. at the end solomon lost lost the yeah. center of some of the you know like solomon but just like it became Solomon had the the many wives, you know, like yeah. it was like it, there was a little bit of that pride in him, where it sure. was like I'm consolidating the power, I'm I'm establishing Israel's power through this, and it, you you kind of for me it seems like a very similar kind of narrative. Yeah. Have, you're talking about the gardens and like yeah. we've got this, and you've Solomon who's got his wisdom, but it almost becomes an arrogance for him that right. my wisdom has gotten me to this point. It's a constant temptation for for rulers, I yeah. think, and that's in Deuteronomy. Remember, the whole thing is kings should not accumulate uh, large amounts of right, exactly. wives. They yeah, shouldn't have a lot of or, horses. They, they or, or army, yeah, they should. They have need them. to depend on on God, yeah. right? Uh, and God's people, you know, I, I was just again preaching yesterday, and I used that story of the seventy-two again. When God sent out the seventy-two, He said, "Don't take a bag and a purse." And you know, in other words, you need to learn to rely upon Me that I will provide what you need in order to accomplish what what I'm calling you to accomplish. Um, it's an it's an acknowledgement and recognition of God's um, God's in control, and and, and uh, He will provide for us what we need. I think is the is the the story. So. Go ahead. Were you going to say no, something else? No, that, that, that's just the thing that came to my yeah. mind. It was just, you know, Solomon's own downfall kind of came yeah. from it. it. It wasn't like this, but it kind of came from his own, you know, from the throne of the wives and how he treated his people it, as well. The impression a, he delivered as well. Right. It's a struggle even for God's people. I mean, I'm thinking about the disciples and this constant kind of who's the greatest and mm-hmm. uh, let us sit at your right hand when you enter into your kingdom. You know, and this is this is why we're hanging out with you because we're expecting to be a part of this new physical kingdom. kingdom exactly. This kingdom come. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he Jesus statement. uh Whoever wants to be greatest in the kingdom must be, must become least, right? Whoever wants to be first must become last. Uh, humility, right? Being able to recognize one's place, one's station. Jesus tells all kinds of stories about that. You know, don't don't seek the chief seats at the banquet, right? Or else you'll you'll be uh, embarrassed when they tell you to go down and sit, sit at the bottom. Instead, sit at the bottom and want, let them want to elevate you, right? Um, and all, all those kind of all those kind of stories that go along with that uh, that image or that idea. So, I guess my last question for you then is the question you always ask us: What? How do you think? What are some application that we can draw from this? What What do you learn when you read this story? Very very weird story. I mean, let's yeah. face it. You know, it's not one that you're necessarily gonna gonna hear a lot of uh, sermons on, probably or anything uh, like that. A couple things I think is 
these guys are gonna be got writing down their dreams because I can't remember my <laughs> dream to save my life. I'm like, I wake up, I'm like, oh, I think I remember this. I had a weird one last night. I'm not gonna tell you about that, it. That's though. what they had. If, if you could, they if had you a pirate right next to their beds. Wake up, scribble down, scribble down. <laughs> I'm gonna see if someone can tell me what I dreamed. Yeah, the test. Uh, you, you know, I think it's a thing. Uh, uh, we're not living in that captivity. You know right. what I mean? We're not living in as as uh, exiles in Babylon, but you know, just that. Remember that that you know, it's the sovereignty thing that God yeah. God has power in these situations where we right. feel powerless, where it looks like God does not. You know, like it seems like the physical nature, the physical oppression yeah. is is too much. That God still has power in that, and I think it's you know, I always I was just thinking about this is just. They're in captivity, and God's, you know, God's showing, like, I can do this, and God could have easily delivered them, but there was also a punishment for them as well. They're, right. like, kind of going, I think, for as an exile, it'd be kind of like, I'm here because God wants me here. Yeah. Just yeah. like that that leader, you know, they have a place and they have a time there that yeah. they're in cap. the Israelites are in captivity for a reason, for because God wants them right. there, and that, um, but that he is still... I mean, there's always the promise of Jeremiah and so sure. forth and Isaiah, um, but that God, God is in control in a lot of those situations, right. has power in those situations. Praise God and give credit to him for, for the things that we have, for the position that we find ourselves in, whatever it is, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the other thing, I guess, and this will be a little bit more controversial, but hey, uh, you know, God still, I believe, is sovereign over the kingdoms of this world. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned before, I think sometimes... Uh, we are looking for power and influence from the kingdoms of this world, right? And mm-hmm. we think that it it requires political influence or uh, the rulers, you know, mm-hmm. the rulers of kingdoms. And, and I think we need to remember that, um, you know, kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. And, mm-hmm. and it is, it is uh, uh, you know, God who is sovereign over all, I suppose, to make it rhyme. But um, the... Uh, you know, it's it's still the case. I don't don't look to to the wrong place for power. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I know this comes out of scripture. There's a song that reminds me called "Ancient of Days." Yeah, you know, sure. the, the, though the nations rage, yeah. kingdoms rise and fall. There is still yeah. one king ruling over all. Yeah, you know, sure. and it, I I love hearing that song. You know, it's like from age to age. You know what I mean? Like I God is still ruling over yeah. uh, the nations. And yeah, and I think that's again. That's hard for us sometimes to think about that yeah. he's still ruling over the nations and yeah. what does that look like and right what does it, that mean we, what does that mean we we see we see things very I would say this we we see things continuing as they are so to speak and and uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, nations existing but if you look back historically that's not not the case you know Babylon is no more so yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. What's good? This is good. Well, you know, this is we've got this is chapter four. Yep. We've got chapter five. Yeah. That's it. That's a good one. Yeah. The writing's king. on the wall on different, that one. A different king. <laughs> we get a different king. Yeah. yeah. So is it on the? Is that five? Or is that yeah, six? Right on the five. wall. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, seven is really we get the fun stuff. I yeah. mean, this is but this is good. This is great. Like, it sets it sets it up, and and I think I think it's important to see that there's connections. Yeah. Uh, the the band of iron and bronze, I think, is is a callback to two and a preparation for what we're going to see in chapter seven through twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that there's some separation here. I think we have we have a unified uh, account. Yeah, I will say I really appreciate your comments about Daniel 
having maybe some of the structure of revelation. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, that circular nation, sure. a, a circular potential circular right. notion of like the God of heaven versus, you know, the, the Babylonian yeah. gods. Cause I think that's really helps interpret. Cause I think sometimes we get, uh, I was talking with someone the other day. It's like the, the stories are put together a particular yeah. way to show something particular. Yeah. You're like, it's not just, oh, th- slap these stories together. Sure. But any, to, but any to narrative. see that, and I think that yeah. helps me understand why some of these things like, well, why did he just do this? And now he's yeah. this and this chapter, but you kind of, you start right. to start to maybe see some of those things happening. There. Any narrative has arrangement. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, like I always say, unless it's your great uncle Leo's stories about the war, you know, narratives are supposed to have an Stru- arrangement, yeah. right? Structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have that relative who just kind of rambles from one to the mm-hmm. other, right? It's like, uh, you know. yeah. <laughs> but but if it's a if it's a good narrative, it should have structure, and 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 it's structured for a point. There are always things that can mm-hmm. be left out, right? Yes, uh, it, it's there. There are things that we leave out in order to to make the point that we're trying to make. And I've mentioned that with Gospel of John before. Uh, we've we've talked about how he he says that uh, you know these are the things that these are the things that I've told for this purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Luke says that I have arranged these stories in this way, right? I'm told these things in order. Uh, is what he says. So all of them show order. All the gospels, all the narratives mm-hmm. that we have show order for a particular purpose. So. Right. The, the order is saying something. Yeah. Just like the text itself is saying yeah. something. Well, yeah. If you're a good storyteller, um, you're, you're telling a story for a point, and so you're going to include those those details that are important for the point you're making. It doesn't mean you're fabricating them. That's that's not what I'm trying to say. What it means is that you're 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 picking and choosing. You're highlighting something a yep. particular way to make a particular point with Absolutely. the story. Yeah. Yep. So, well, that's good. That, that was to me that was really helpful. Good. This kind of think about Daniel in that way is good. Th- that kind of we're, we're revolving around a theme here yeah. and uh, what all, what all that means. So very good. You get. We'll go have lunch for that because you okay. did so good. Okay. You did well, so good. Well, we should mention if you like the podcast, share it. If you like this episode, share it. Tell somebody else yes. about it. Yes, we, we uh, appreciate the share. You know, yeah. we're we're always, you know, we want if this is helpful for you, this will probably be helpful for someone else. Yeah. So you know, to share and yeah. um, you know, this isn't a uh, get rich scheme for us, or you know, we're trying it's to not. we're not trying to amass. <laughs> We're not trying to amass our influence. You know, we talked about influencers earlier. But we trust God that he's, he's yeah. accomplishing. And it's been nice. We've heard a couple of things recently from some of our listeners, and we've yeah. had a couple of new subscribers. So uh, keep that up. And uh, you can go to our website. There's ways to the, the BibleBistro.com. Yeah. BibleBistro.com. There's ways to become a patron there, Patreon. Yeah, so support, the, support us traveling yeah. back and forth. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Thanks so much, Brian. Yeah, and uh, look forward to, we'll be back here, Bistro East, next Tuesday. All right. See, see ya. ya. Bye.